Let's get started here. I'm Eric Carpenter with you. This is News Unbroken. What we're going to do is that we are going to bring you news that you probably aren't going to hear from the major network TV or the major network radio for that matter. First off, before we really look at the news, we want to talk about the uh, Spokane, the spokesman columnist, John Blanchett. Real bonehead today. His response to uh, Nick Rolovich leaving the Cougars, getting fired by the athletic director, a lot of pressure from Jay Inslee over on the other side of the state. As John Blanchett puts it, in the process, the Cougars have turned what was once a season mired in one man's cheap political theater into something fun. Well, I don't think it was cheap political theater. It cost uh, Rolovich some $3 million and no longer coach of the Cougars. He had a personal commitment. He was not going to get the vaccine. Four of his assistants felt the same way. They all are now not employed by WSU. But to, again... We continue on with this polarization of America. You either follow the government mandates and put this vaccine, put this serum in your body that you don't necessarily want, and if you don't follow what the man says, well, something's wrong with you. You're supposed to do what they tell you to do. Well, Rolovich with the Cougars chose not to, and he did pay that big price, let go by the Cougars. I don't want to forget tomorrow is voting day. Make sure you get your ballot marked, get it dropped off at the courthouse, put it in the uh, slide there, or make sure you get it in the mail. Again, tomorrow it is election day. If you are here in the Colville area and you could use some warm clothing or a free coat, they're available this week at the Ag Trade Center here in Colville. This time I'm wearing a hat of a coat drive, warm clothes drive for all ages, boys, girls, adult women and men. We have some boots. And we are going to be giving these away at the Ag and Trade Center on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. We initially were going to just do it Monday and Tuesday, but we have so many coats that we extended it through Thursday. And we'd like everybody to come down and see if there's anything that meets their needs and take it home. And we are open from 9 to 4 on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Back in October, Thomas Carpenter participated in a candidate's night. That was held at the Ag Trade Center here in Colville. He's running for a position on the Colville City Council. Housing, both cost and availability addressed, as well as the current homeless situation. 
I just wanted to, wanted to address that the original question was, what is the city council doing to address homelessness? Being that I'm not on the city council yet, I'm not pervy to everything that they are doing, but uh, I do have a pretty good insight as to the current rental market. Um, I manage uh, about 115 some odd units uh, within Stevens County, primarily within Colville. And being a landlord right now, because of the mandates put on from the state, is exceptionally hard. When you are told that you cannot evict somebody when they haven't paid rent for over a year and a half, and they just extended that into October, and we all know that we can't evict anybody in the middle of winter, so that they're going to extend that from October into July, into January, and then into from January into March, and then come springtime, they'll have another excuse to keep on extending that. And so that is partially, to answer your question previously on why rent's so high, it's because we have to protect ourselves from that risk. There isn't a whole lot of assistance for for small or mid-level uh, property owners right now. And as part of that, you're seeing a lot of West Coast agencies come in and buy a lot of properties right now. And that's partially why prices are so inflated because it's all that West Coast money coming in and buying everything. Fortunately, I'm in a position where I don't have any debt. And so my, my rent, hasn't increased it's just as it has been you know we increase as our as our costs increase and so that's part of what i am able to control um as far as what i would like to see done with homelessness in our community i have to mirror what jack said make it more make it a more unpleasant place to be homeless that that's that's the, that's the biggest thing um and so to go a little bit further, you know, we've, uh, uh, council, Councilwoman Nan uh, Nancy Full had mentioned that we have another, another housing plan. Who'd know that we have another plan coming through that we probably paid another, or we got another grant to uh, spend money to have another agency come in and tell us what we already know about our housing situation. We know that there's not enough low-income housing, but until we incentivize that with a purpose and not a pipe dream, the proper housing is not going to be constructed. As far as, uh, sorry, the, the question was, what is the biggest challenge that the city of Colville is facing? Mm -hmm. I think it, it's a, a combination of the homelessness and the crime associated with it. All that a lot of the crime is theft, which is to purchase drugs, which is, you know, it just kind of snowballs into the same issue. And that, that's, that's number one priority on my list is figuring out what we can do to make Colville a, a more desirable place for people that want to thrive and a less desirable place for those that choose not to work. Every business in town has a help wanted sign. I've had, I've, spoken with uh our our tree trimmer he uh he's tried to get two people walking down the street and said i'll pay you twenty dollars an hour to feed the wood chipper and they said no i'm i'm good and just carried on and to me that that is absolutely insane that you're going to turn down twenty dollars an hour 
and for menial work. So uh, the, the biggest thing is to shore up our own community and do the things that we can do uh, to prevent a further decline of, of the homelessness issue when you're dealing with uh, the dysfunctional vehicles or I guess houses along in the park in the city parking spaces um, right next to the splash pad where my kids want to go play and I say sorry we can't use the splash pad anymore because there's an RV parked there now that just lives there um, th those are those are the things that are very personal to me Well, it's been 18 months here in Washington State that landlords have not been able to evict people if they, well, they just went 18 months and a lot of them just didn't pay their rent. Well, Governor Jay Inslee now says he will allow the eviction moratorium to expire. That move does open the door for an influx of new eviction cases and, of course, Washington State put a lot of new tenant protections in for the first time since the pandemic. The uh, Inslee had used his emergency powers to halt evictions. The expiration means landlords can seek evictions of tenants who haven't been paying their rents. Washington State, well, it is one crazy place. Whether you want to call it socialist, communist, Marxist, they all probably fit Washington State anymore. A federal jury determining that the GEO Group has to pay $17.3 million to the detainees who were paid a dollar a day to perform tasks like cooking and cleaning at the detention center here in Washington State. That decision came late Friday after the jury determined the Florida-based company must pay detainee workforce at the Tacoma facility the Washington State minimum wage. That is going to be divided amongst 10,000 people that were held at the facility since 2014. Of course, most of those are deported back down to Mexico because they were here illegally. The detention center has people in custody while the government reviews their immigration status. This was the second trial. The first trial ended in a hung jury. The Colville School District not really having too many problems ever since the October 18th vaccine mandate deadline. The superintendent Steve Fist talks about bus transportation and comments a little bit about new sports guidance. It's been uh, mandated by the state and the WIAA. We were able to work successfully through the accommodations and exemptions and vaccination. Our HR department, it's basically one person, and she got started way back in August, September with the work and 
concluded it obviously by the deadline. And well, I think there was some challenges for some of our folks. Overall, we're able to staff our buildings and continue to move forward. That includes our busing. So we're in a pretty good place right now. And we're able to run all our buses. We've had to combine it a couple of routes. And it's still able to work for our kids and our families. And it's always that thin line. So if you get a couple of sick folks or somebody with a family emergency, then staff that are either running schedules or organizing the buses will jump on a bus and have to go. We've got a contingency plan if needed that we've got access to other suburbans. If we need to run some smaller routes, we can always chip in and help and get our kids back and forth from school to home and home to school. So I feel like we're in as good a place as many folks. Some of our larger urban metro areas, it's a challenge, but fortunately we're not in that spot. First Student's a really terrific organization to work with, and they're incredibly responsive to our district and our families, and they're always looking for drivers. So if anybody's out there interested in driving a bus and bookending their day, I know Dion and the crew at First Student would be really grateful. So keep that in mind. We continue to work through our winter sports and the Department of Health has guidelines for what they call high contact indoor sports. And so our high school and junior high are working through with parents on a testing protocol for kids to participate in athletics. And so we continue to try to uncover and understand the pieces of that and working with our health department, how we can do that efficiently and in support of our families and kids for sports. And families need to understand it's something we can't just not do or ignore because they are part of the WIAA and DOH guidelines. It's not a guideline that we put in place or even the Tri-County Health or any organization here in Stevens County. So it is continuing to dispose those additional challenges as we try to work together to have our kids involved in activities. Trying to gather good information and appropriate information for our families and schools and surface as many questions as we can to answer as we work through winter sports season. But I'm excited we get to have regular sports seasons for our kids and those opportunities. Those are the things we're working on at the present time. And Talk about some thieves that, well, I hope this one, they uh, can throw the book at some folks. Um, hard, hard to believe I even have to talk about. Don't take chainsaws to wooden bridges. A uh, pair of hunters, they were out in Jefferson County here in Washington. They heard chainsaws, so they called DNR. Well, it happened DNR had an officer, Alan Nelson, in the area. He found two people cutting chunks out of the cedar logs that formed the base of a bridge. The two men were arrested. They were booked into Jefferson County Jail. Felony charges. Their vehicle and equipment held as evidence. DNR figures the cedar chunks were going to be sold on the black market for mill owners to turn into shake and shingles. This happened behind what had been a locked gate. The lock had been broken off. DNR staff now have to go out, re-inspect the bridge, and determine if it is safe. Very dangerous now. 
good thing some hunters heard chainsaws that they didn't think were appropriate. If you do hear something or you see something out of place, don't hesitate at all. Report it to the police. Report it to DNR. Uh, you've got some numbskulls out there that uh, can do some pretty stupid things. Cutting the cedar braces out of a bridge and just doesn't make much sense. Southwest Airlines well, it used to be a great airline. I don't think that I don't think near as much of them anymore. But uh, even though I still fly Southwest a couple times every month, um, apparently, and it's still kind of in the apparently category, a Southwest pilot he landed. And you know how pilots sometimes they make some final comments and that. Well, apparently this pilot said, let's go, Brandon. Whole lot of Southwest employees. In fact, they've they've been lining the streets down in Texas chanting, Let's go, Brandon. Well, happened to be a Associated Press reporter heard the phrase when she was flying from Houston to Albuquerque. There's Let's Go Brandon. You can look that up if you've got any doubt what it means. A Southwest uh, flight on that Saturday, well, that riled the uh, AP gal, and she tried to break into the cockpit, tried to get through the uh, steel door. A uh, flight attendant did not take uh, kindly to that. She was unsuccessful in trying to get uh, into the pilot and almost was removed from the aircraft. So, more information coming out. Southwest... And I, I, got, the, uh, I got the email from Southwest last night apologizing for this comment of the pilot because he said, let's go, Brandon. I'll tell you what, I gave it a little time, and after I got the email, I went on Southwest and looking at their uh, at the comments and the responses. Holy mackerel! People are responding. They are sick and tired of all this crap from the federal and state governments. Every single post going to Southwest was in support of the pilot and just slamming Southwest for their attitude. A lot of backlash to Southwest. People really questioning the lack of freedom of speech, freedom of expression. And that's what's been going on for the last two years now that this has been going on. So Southwest, they haven't said much today. But uh, they are, you know, if, if, if there is any retaliation to this pilot, I can just imagine 
what the public outcry is going to be. You know, Southwest uh, initially was talking about outright dismissal of the pilot, but, uh, you know, they, they, they forget. They seem to think it's all right that their employees uh, promote the other side of things. But one little word by the pilot going the other direction and just as a company just just getting all upset. So let's go, Brandon. And uh, Southwest, you want to think about this one. Should we be paying $450,000 to illegal immigrants who broke the law? Kathy McMorris-Rogers, she wants some answers on whether those payments to immigrants who broke the law are really going to happen. Last week, the Wall Street Journal did the initial report, and a lot of people, a lot of in the Biden administration, more or less agreeing that, well, that's the plan. <sighs> Kathy McMorris-Rogers, right here from our area, along with Congressman Gregory Murphy, along and 43 others in Congress, wanting an answer regarding the reports that the federal agencies are going to offer 450000 in compensation to illegal immigrants that crossed the border in 2018. They sent their letter to Homeland Security Secretary, the Health and Human Services Secretary, the Department of Justice Attorney General. They want answers. These illegals came into the United States knowing they were illegal. And now the U.S. government, Joe Biden at the top, want to give illegals $450,000. That's more than those killed in 9-11 got. That's more than military servicemen get when they're killed in action. We are upside down as a country. We're upside down in our thought process and our priorities. If people are here illegally, they are illegal. That should mean no compensation, ship them out. Instead, the current administration, with welcome open arms, oh, and if we screw anything up, we're going to give you $450,000 because we sent you back home. It's no doubt why more and more people, you're starting to hear more and more. You're hearing New York, tomorrow we're going to talk about in New York City, oh, they're so proud, only 9.1% of their city employees got fired because they wouldn't get the vaccine. Those are husbands and wives. What are they going to do with their families? They work 
for the city, and the city says, no, you're not welcome. We're going to bring people in. We've got things going two ways when it comes to police forces. Some police forces say, we'll give you a bonus if you are not vaccinated. You're welcome to join our force. Yet, because so many police were terminated and had to quit because they weren't willing to get the vaccine, they're offering ten to $25,000 bonuses if you, oh, you, you know, you're retired or you, you know, don't work for a police department right now, probably were fired somebody, so, but you have the vaccine, you're welcome to come work for us because... We gave the axe to somebody that had been working for us. More about the police in in New York and Seattle tomorrow. Thanks a lot for joining us. I'm Eric Carpenter. This is the News Unbroken.